It's Monday morning and you know what that means. No, not the start of another dreary work week. It's time for Building a Better Cheyenne. So grab your hard hat, grab your hammer, or maybe just a cup of coffee and let's get building. Hugh, Ken, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing fantastic, you know? No complaints here. Ken, how are you? It's a hump day. We're halfway through the week. As long as we keep chugging along and do our do, we can go into the weekend with a smile on our faces. A nice breaker for you all today. I hope you'll indulge me. You know, Dan and Hugh, fairly often, the penultimate episode of a movie series, streaming, TV show, will be received better than its finale. And we're certainly not saying that that's going to be true when we wrap up our Vista Voices series this week. But I've asked the two of you off air to identify your favorite penultimate episode or um, movie. What would that be now that I've given you that little time? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick it off with what has become one of my not just recent favorite TV shows, but one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and that's Better Call Saul which I think is far superior to Breaking Bad, even though I like Breaking Bad as well. And there's a lot of great episodes in in Better Call Saul. Still fingers crossed for season six coming out soon. But um, ultimately, I, I don't know if it's what you would penultimate or not, but it's definitely one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> and it's season two, the second episode with the squat cobbler. And if you've seen the series, you know what I'm talking about, so... I, it just cracks me up the way Jimmy comes up with that on the fly. And that's just his character, just so calm and cool and comes up with uh, a guy who likes to sit and pie. So you got to love it. It's a pleasure to find out that you're a better call Saul guy. (laughs) Uh, How about yourself? Yeah, that's, that's funny because one that immediately came to mind is, is Granite State on Breaking Bad. And <laughs> I mean, the caveat is that I haven't really watched Breaking Bad, <laughs> but my, my dad watched the series and I would pop in occasionally for like 20 or 30 minute chunks. And when, uh, to its credit, that episode, I watched the entirety of it and found it to be an excellent kind of slow burn where you're not entirely sure of Walter's headspace or his plan or what he's going to do, but it's just interesting. and. Shout out to New Hampshire, state I was born in. But for a TV show I've actually watched, I found the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian second season to be excellent. Bill Burr is in it as a uh, former stormtrooper. And limiting spoilers, it's got basically, well, all I want in an episode. You know, great action. It's got a like base infiltration gone awry and then at the end, there's like a pretty tough psychological decision that's made by the main character that I think really shows the culmination of a of an arc there. And so those two episodes would be my favorite penultimate. How about you, Ken? There's some beautiful choices there. Um, nice crossover star promotion in Bill Burr, Mandalorian, Breaking Bad. I don't know if you two coordinated that, but I'm pretty impressed. No, just no coordination. Great minds just think alike, you know? Exactly. I have to agree. But I would pick season one, episode nine of Westworld on HBO, my favorite penultimate episode. Um, The title is Well-Tempered Clavier. And Clavier is German for piano player. So 
without giving any spoilers, Westworld is generally about AI gaining sentience. And the episode predominantly features Anthony Hopkins and um, Jeffrey Wright. And Jeffrey Wright received Emmy nomination for Best Supporting Actor in the Series. And that was the particular episode that he submitted for his um, sample for consideration. So just tremendous acting, suspense, and build up. And it may be one of the few HBO series where the final episode is better than Penultimate, but that Penultimate really stands out. Um, I've heard great things about Westworld, but I've never seen it. Well, fun fact about Jeffrey Wright is that he is a alumni of my alma mater, Amherst College, as well as my high school. So pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I heard this, that he didn't start acting until on a dare or a bet or something like his junior year of college, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> remarkable for how talented he is that's so cool that you share both home and model with him too we're thinking alike today we're on the same page so many connections <laughs> with that said dan would you give a lead in um, to the guests who are joining us today absolutely uh our guests today are nominees for this year's emmys and golden globes just a little joke there since we've been talking about tv but seriously the two individuals should be award winners because they're fundamentally vital to recruiting and retaining the Vista talent we have showcased on our podcast. And like Ken said, we'll wrap up with a recording of Dana Thompson this Friday. Please give it up for the Equal Justice Wyoming cohorts, Vista supervisor, Leora Hoschel and Vista leader, Grant Gergen. How are you guys doing today? And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. I'd like to thank the Academy for bringing us on. <laughs> I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you guys. And I'm doing well today also. Sun is shining. It's a good temperature out. And uh, I've been looking forward to being on this podcast with you all. I've heard great things about it so far. And uh, I appreciate you all inviting me on to, to share a bit about my position and experiences. Absolutely. So just start by telling us a little bit about yourselves. Grant, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. I attended the University of Florida from 2014 to 2018. About a month after I graduated in the fall of 2018, I joined the Peace Corps as an education volunteer in Ecuador. And I served there until March 2020. It was awesome. I had a great experience. Unfortunately, I was evacuated along with every other Peace Corps volunteer internationally due to the uh, pandemic. So it was unfortunate. I had about 12 months left in my service, so still a bit of time to go, but I'm very grateful for getting at least 15 months out of it because it was really an experience I, I, I don't think I will ever forget. Sat at home for a few months trying to figure out what to do next, and I realized that AmeriCorps would be a good opportunity, and I joined Equal Justice Wyoming in August 2020 as the VISTA leader. Nice. Where in Ecuador were you before you had to come home? I was in Guayaquil, big city, big city in the coastal region of Ecuador, hot, busy, very different from Cheyenne. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've spent a, a couple weeks in Ecuador just traveling around. And so we, we didn't get down to the coast. We stayed mostly up in the mountainous regions, Rio Bamba, Quito. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other town in the Northern. Love the country. We had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's 
incredibly beautiful just and just for its size one day you can be checking out the rainforest the next day you can be up in the andes hiking incredible hikes looking at snow-capped volcanoes and the last day you can be sitting on a beach somewhere it, it's it's just an incredible place well i'm sorry you had to get evacuated but glad you're a part of ejw thank you i appreciate it leora a little background about yourself absolutely and and i Second, all of that that you say to Grant, we're we're very sad that he had to leave Ecuador early, but we're very fortunate that it worked out so well for our program. I don't have nearly so interesting a story. There's no Ecuador in my story. I, I was born in Israel, so I guess that's not totally boring. Um, I was born in Israel and my family returned to the States and then we moved to Cheyenne when I was nine. So I grew up here. I always hesitate to stress that I am not a Wyoming native because my family is not four generations in, as so many awesome families are in Wyoming, no doubt about it. But I did grow up here, graduated from high school in Cheyenne, went to a tiny little liberal arts college and then spent a few years living in Pittsburgh, working in early childhood ed. And then I missed the mountains. And so I had to come back. <laughs> um, I, I really did. I missed Wyoming. Um, Pittsburgh was great. I loved living in Pittsburgh, but I missed Wyoming. And I was excited for the opportunity to come back. So I did that. I came back. I had a couple of kids who, as it turns out, are pretty awesome. And then I went to law school. And then happily, after a couple of different gigs, um, I'm one of those strange people who a few semesters into law school realized, I don't want to be a lawyer. And that's scary when you're a few semesters into law school. But I've had just wonderful good fortune since then in finding really fantastic other opportunities that allow me to use my legal education without having to break my day down into six-minute intervals. So it's really been fantastic. And then I love being a member of the team at Equal Justice Wyoming. I, I've heard you guys have a pretty good boss, but I'm not 100% about that. <laughs> We, we do. She features into my notes here in one of the later questions. Excellent. And if you could both give a brief outline of your duties as VISTA supervisor, Leora, and VISTA leader, Grant. So, Leora, why don't you kick us off with this? Sure, yeah. The, the supervisor role is really awesome. I'm really lucky that I get to have that as the focus of the work that I do in a lot of organizations people kind of get get that position sort of dumped on them, unfortunately, because it's the nonprofit world. And as we all know, everybody is stretched thin, under-resourced, understaffed. So I'm very fortunate that I get to focus on that role. I get to work day in and day out with these awesome vistas. So I get to really just kind of keep tabs on everybody and just sort of make sure things are going smoothly with the vistas as they're serving their year. I'm in close contact with the subsites because we are a VISTA intermediary program. We have a couple of wonderful VISTAs who serve in our office, and then we have the crew of wonderful VISTAs who serve with other organizations. So that always takes some coordination with the executive directors and those programs and agencies and making sure that, that everything is working smoothly in that collaboration that we have. There, of course, it's a federal program. AmeriCorps is a federal program. So there's always the housekeeping and paperwork that goes along with that. So we've got federal reporting and number crunching that has to be done, which isn't my favorite thing, but you, you get in a groove with it. So it's all right. It is not too bad. 
and then this time of year, as I, I gather you guys have probably been discussing a little bit, this is recruitment season. So we are wildly busy with getting applications from fascinating, fantastic people all across the country who are interested in coming to serve with our program and who are, in a lot of cases, just beginning to learn about AmeriCorps and about VISTA. So I get to spend a lot of time reviewing applications and then corresponding with those applicants, learning about their interests and their motivations and interviewing folks. And it's always uh, kind of like moving puzzle pieces around trying to figure out, is this person right for our program? What role do we have that is the right fit? And what will be a good experience for that individual as well? We always want to keep that in the forefront of our minds. So that's, uh, that's kind of the big overview of what keeps me busy all day. Excellent. And Grant? Yeah, so similar to the VISTA supervisor role, um, as VISTA leader, I, I, I wear a lot of different hats for my job. I will read you off the official definition just to give you a, the overview of it. The VISTA leader works to expand and build the capacity of individual VISTA members and their respective project sites. The leaders serve as recruiters, coordinators, trainers, mentors, and resource providers. Essentially, I see my job is to support the VISTAs during their service year based off those definitions. This means a few different things. This means keeping our cohort connected, which I try to do through social outings like hikes and camping, through virtual hangouts. It means providing professional development opportunities in the way of cohort conference calls that we've had and in our discussions, answering questions about VISTA life or the benefits that come through a year of VISTA service and so on. There are a lot of things I do other than that, but that's kind of the gist of it. It's just a support role for the volunteers in their sites. Additionally, Leora keeps me up to date on how the VISTAs are doing through her weekly check-ins with them, and I use those to time when I want to organize or do things with the VISTAs. For example, if someone is feeling you know, a little homesick or isolated, it's a good time to try and organize something for us to do as a cohort. In return for all that, I try and ask from the VISTAs to stay engaged and enthusiastic about doing things as a cohort, which they have all done very successfully so far. And I ask that they just be open with me about their VISTA experiences so I can identify the areas where, where I might be able to help or, or Leora might be able to help. You mentioned those uh, social outings and ventures there for a little peek behind the curtain. Um, you, Hugh, and I got to go on like a really nice hike down in Arapaho Roosevelt National Forest this weekend. Gray Summit Trail. I know you talked about compiling resources and different activities for the business to pursue out here. But um, Grant, we talked about how when you were figuring out what the next step was going to be after Peace Corps, applying to multiple VISTA sites, what pulled you towards Wyoming and that like specific responsibility of being a VISTA leader? Yeah, so what I, like I said, I was evacuated March 2020. I was pretty confused on what to do for a month or two. And then I, I started digging into the opportunities that AmeriCorps had. And I, I applied for a lot of different AmeriCorps positions at first. I was initially in the process, I was trying to stay close to Florida due to costs and familiarity. I just, I felt a lot more confident about, uh, you know, making this to work possible through that. But then um, I was very privileged and lucky that my unemployment compensation continued to grow. And I realized that other horizons would open up in the U.S. It was going to be possible for me to to put some money into a car um, and organize organize my budget. And I realized that and I, I started looking all over the US. And, and after doing Ecuador, I knew I could go anywhere. I wasn't concerned about being able to adapt to some part of the US. And I, I saw the Wyoming positions through Equal Justice. I saw, 
this could be really cool because a part of me was kind of chasing that feeling I had when I got on my flight to Ecuador. Travel somewhere completely new, somewhere I have no preconceived notions about. I really wasn't sure what to expect out here. So that was that was exciting for me. And, and the, the position itself drew me in because when I was in Peace Corps, I had excellent Peace Corps volunteer leaders. And the Peace Corps volunteer leaders are, are somewhat similar to what I do as VISTA leader. It's a little more administrative in terms of what they do, but the role is the role can be similar. And I had excellent, I had excellent Peace Corps volunteer leaders. And after seeing what they did to make volunteers feel welcome in their different regions of Ecuador, I realized that I could use that experience and, and wanted to help out the folks starting in AmeriCorps, particularly out in someplace like Wyoming, because from what we've learned and, and within our cohort, a lot of the folks that are coming in here are not usually from Wyoming. They're coming from the East Coast or other parts of the U.S. So I've had experience living somewhere new and adapting to it. And I felt like I, I could use that in this position as a leader. So doing Peace Corps just gave me a good idea of the feelings that volunteers can experience during national service. Um, and I felt like the experience I gained in Ecuador could help me guide the VISTA folks in their service in the U.S. So that was those were the big determinants for me for this position. And the thrill of that adventure and packing up your car and heading across the country to a city you haven't been to is, is pretty awesome. I don't think it can be described as far as like when you finally, like Cheyenne comes into your view, you're just like, Okay, like we'll we'll see how this goes. Like I kind of feel like a fish out of water, but uh, as the months go on and you get further and further in your Vista service and your partnerships and relationships within the community, it's it's incredible how much you feel at home just in a short amount of time. And especially with the cohort we have and how well you keep us all connected, and that there, there's always someone to talk to, engage with outside of work as well. That's invaluable. Definitely. And Leora, um, when you were talking about being in law school and then realizing you weren't sure if you want to be a lawyer, that is something I very much fear with heading into law school for a year. But um, what, what at the point in time in life that you joined Equal Justice Wyoming as VISTA supervisor, what made you confident that that was the right role for you? This is where I get to make that plug I referenced. I had worked with Angie Dorsch before, who is our awesome executive director here at Equal Justice. And so because they, I saw they were hiring and I thought, I want to get to work with Angie again. That sounds fantastic. And the work of Equal Justice is, is so important and so, so ongoing, right? That there's, it, it's not as if this is the kind of problem that you say, oh, here's an issue we have in the community. We have so many people who are unable to get the legal representation that they need, the legal assistance that they need to deal with these life-changing matters. But um, there's this solution and we enact that solution and then it's all taken care of. There, there isn't anything like that when it comes to providing access to justice. There is no simple solution. So the idea of joining an organization that was going to continuously try and tackle these problems and innovate and find new approaches and really meet people where they are and try and find out how you can serve the community's needs was very important to me. And then when Angie talked to me about expanding the VISTA program, Equal Justice initially had just one VISTA, which is the way that a lot of VISTA programs operate. So initially there was one VISTA and that still takes work but that's at least a little easier for people to juggle while they're juggling other roles. 
but we were offered the opportunity to expand and become an intermediary program. And then there's a lot that goes on. So I was very excited about the opportunity to, to kind of help lead in that and to, to, take, to take a lot of things off of Angie's plate as much as I could and to try and build this cohort so that we'd have a program that could really reach people all across the state, which we are able to do, and to build these partnerships with so many wonderful organizations to work with Habitat for Humanity, to work with the local hospital, to work with the Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault, and all of our wonderful subsites. It was really an exciting opportunity to know that I could be making a difference and that I could be helping to connect people who want to work in their communities, in new communities even, to get that work done and to, to really provide services that people need. I really love there how you describe justice work as steady, iterative process that requires a lot of teamwork. That teamwork is invaluable in that. That's such a great way to frame it and perceive it when you're going to be entering like a VISTA role or another similar type of position. Yeah, absolutely. It really does make a difference. And, and that's something that we love to see in folks who join our VISTA program is someone who says, I know I can make a difference and I want to work alongside other people who also want to be making a difference. And on the flip side of that steady iterative process, what has surprised you most in your time overseeing this particular, our, our VISTA cohort this year? Um, you know, you guys are awesome. So that makes that easy. It's not like, oh, there was this terrible surprise that I had not foreseen. But as we've referenced a little bit, I do weekly check-ins with all of the VISTAs in our cohort. And that is something new. That's something that we didn't do with our previous cohort. And I have loved that. I've loved just being able to really connect with each one of you every week to learn more about the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having and the thoughts that you have about the work that you're doing and the folks that you meet. And also to get to connect with each of you as individuals, because you are amazing. As so many people who choose to go into national service are just phenomenal people with amazing objectives and tremendous insights on the world. So what has really surprised me is that I'm more of a people person than I realized. And I love being able to talk with you guys every week and learn from you and, and be fascinated by it all. Well, those phone calls are, are some of the best conversations I have all week. And we have great conversations on this podcast every week. So that's saying a lot. Uh, <laughs> I would second. Thank you both. So yeah, I appreciate that work. And I think it has been a really good implementation. And uh, Grant, directing this question at you, what have you learned about yourself that you might not have previously known prior to serving with Equal Justice Wyoming? What has this experience taught you? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, it's taught me that I can handle a real winter, which I wasn't sure I could do. So that was good to know coming from Florida. But more seriously, it's taught me a lot about being able to work with others, um, especially in the leadership capacity. This is this put me in a position that I hadn't been in before. And I've learned about, I guess, the style of leadership I like to have with people and try to exemplify. And, and for this cohort, it's just, it's just being approachable and open to all the VISTAs and trying to be someone that they can rely on. I don't want to feel 
like I'm too separate from, from the other vistas due to my position. And I enjoy getting to be a real human being with you all and our experiences together out here in Wyoming and not having some wall of authority or formality between us. So for me, it's kind of developing some sort of leadership style that I, that I like and that works for me. That has taught me a lot about being out here. And then in all honesty, I, I think I need more time to pass once I finish this year to really make an assessment about what I've learned and, and digest the experiences that I've had out here with you all. Because I think, I think I'm going to take a lot from this year, especially working just with this awesome cohort, as, as Leora mentioned. So I think I, I think I still have to develop some assessment on what specifically I'll have learned in the future. And, and speaking of formality, a heck of a transition here. I've had the privilege of living with Grant in uh, downtown Cheyenne since August, which has been fun. But before us, there were actually two other AmeriCorps Vistas serving with Eagle Dress Wyoming, Gabe and Kevin. Shout out to them. They also roomed together in our apartment. So we've left a bit of a legacy here. We'll see if it continues on with the next cohort. Um, walk us through what Cheyenne has offered you, Grant, over these past several months and what you expect it'll feel like when you leave come August. It's offered a lot of wind, which I've gotten used to, um, but it's offered me the chance to live in a, a much smaller town in the U.S. than I ever have before. And that goes for the state of Wyoming as well, for its population. But it's been neat to learn about the community in a smaller town and state. I'm from, as I mentioned, from Florida, so it's a busy state. There's a lot of a lot going on, um, even in a small town like Tallahassee for small town for Florida. So Cheyenne stands in stark contrast to the experiences I've had, particularly coming from Guayaquil. And I have to add, though, it hasn't been super easy to take advantage of what Cheyenne has to offer due to the pandemic of this year. So that, that's been difficult to adapt to. I do feel like I have seen a more limited Cheyenne. And that's unfortunate because I know there's more to it. And as things progressively open up and become safer, I really do want to soak up these last three months of my service and, and take in what Cheyenne has to experience. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to our Vista gathering at the end of this month where Leora is going to take us to all the cool places in Cheyenne that I haven't been able to go to yet and just learn more about it and, and experience it now that things are a little bit more safer. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and after our lease is up, you'd be comfortable sharing what, what's up next for you. Yeah, so I'm going to be going into graduate school. I, I got accepted into the Latin American Studies program at the University of Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm really hoping to learn a little bit more about criminal justice systems in Latin America and, and criminal justice reforms going on in Latin America, specifically related to public defenders. So I'm excited to put together hopefully some research or a thesis related to that. And then after that, potentially law school down the road, but Nothing's really set in stone past uh, the next two years, but I'm, I'm excited for the next adventure. Cheyenne has been, to leave here will be so bittersweet though. I've grown so attached to the small, quiet world that I inhabit here. And um, I've fallen in love with the outdoors that are in Cheyenne and around Wyoming. So it'll be very bittersweet, but I love living and experiencing new places. So I am excited for the next adventure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on that and, and hope you enjoy your time in, in Wisconsin. And, and speaking of places you've lived, when you're telling us about how you made the decision to move Wyoming, in my head, it was, well, it definitely wasn't a certain climate you were looking for or the same thing as Florida. <laughs> and uh, having never been to Madison, I've known people who live there and went to, to University of Wisconsin there and, and have they said it's completely different as well. So I think you're going to be in for another new experience for sure. 
Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to it. And like I said, now that I've done the real Wyoming winter, I feel, I feel like I could do it anywhere. <laughs> and and you have, Grant. It, it's been so funny to me, particularly when all of you folks started service last summer. As the weather started to get a little cooler, everybody was saying to me, well, I'm worried about Grant. He's from Florida. I'm worried about Grant. And boy, you have been the least complaining about the weather. You have been the one most prepared for camping trips, as I still hear about. <laughs> um, so you absolutely have, have handled it beautifully, including our phenomenal 30 inches of snow that we got in March. So, so you were here for a blizzard of the century, and you rolled right through that. You, you've handled it wonderfully. I appreciate that. It wasn't, it's really not as bad as, it, as, as I expected it to be. So I think that's a plus for Wyoming. Well, well, thinking about living in Wyoming and knowing the fact that Leora, who's lived here much longer than I have, and I've lived here longer, than, obviously, than, than the three vistas we have on our podcast today. So this question's to Grant, Hugh, and Ken, but what is Wyoming's most special quality to you guys? Ken? The most special quality to me is I've found it to be a very conversational environment in, in the respect that... If there is a collaborative project I want to work on in the community with somebody, whether it's like the guests that we've had on our podcast in the past, or just let's say I'm having a rough spell and I want to go to someone for like advice for a situation in life, people hear you out. They're, they're great listeners here. I'm not sure if that's because of the more like uh, geographically sparse like nature of the state. But when you are in front of somebody, I really don't find that they're looking at their phone too often. I don't find that they're distracted or thinking about other things going on in their life. They're pretty focused on you and how they can help you. And just in totality, they're, they're focused on that relationship and how it can be strengthened. And that, that mode of communication, those conversations, I'm going to really miss that about Wyoming. You, you got anything? Well, that, that just makes me think of last weekend when we were on our hike. This was in Colorado, of course, but not too far away. <laughs> we were stopped for uh, some emergency vehicles down the road, and everyone was like out of their cars. And there's this guy that uh, was just out on the road having a conversation with anyone and everyone. And Ken just walked right up to him and said, how's it going, man? But uh, I think that that speaks to that Wyoming amiability, just rubbing off on Ken and he's bringing it over state lines into Colorado. <laughs> most, most special quality about Wyoming for me, you know, I, t I tend to be less, less uh, outgoing than Ken perhaps. And so I have really appreciated the outreach he's done for this podcast and making all these connections Dan as well, being able to reach far into the community and bring on very interesting people to the show. And I just think, yeah, everything that Ken said rings true. From a personal standpoint, I really like living in this downtown Cheyenne area. In this local vicinity, besides grocery shopping, I would say a lot of what I need is in like a bike bike ride distance away you know i can bike to work on nice days bike over to the library go to shops downtown so just yeah having that small 
town. And yeah, just seconding what Ken said. How about you, Grant? Yeah, Ken kind of touched on it with this talking about the just being able to connect with people, but the sense of community you get in, in, in a smaller state like Wyoming, also towns out here, you can really, I mean, you can really see and feel it within the towns that you're in, just how connected people are with each other and, and, and how that affects the decision-making that happens in these towns, how things get done. It's, it's just neat to see things work on a smaller community scale. Cause that's not something I was really accustomed to. Um, and it's been cool to see. And I think another element that makes Wyoming really special is the sense of space, the expansiveness of the state with that smaller community, because people really do appreciate the space out here, the, the environment and, and just, it feels like very stark contrast to the states that I've been in. And I, I really appreciate Wyoming's unique nature of that smaller communities, the, the large expansiveness of it, it really just, it goes together quite well. And it, it just makes it a cool place to live and experience. And um, I'm grateful that I've gotten to do it because of that. And, and it really was, <laughs> really was funny seeing Ken just walk right up to that gentleman last weekend because he was talking to everybody. And it's just, it, it's also nice to see that after all of this pandemics, people parked, getting out of their cars, chatting with each other. It was just kind of cool. <laughs> for a little bit more imagery for the situation, I was wearing a pink T-Mobile uh, bicycling shirt and like uh, blue khakis for like hiking. And I guess he thought most of the people in the caravan of cars was going to be going rafting on the La Poitre River. But he walks up and he's like, you got the wrong outfit on, buddy. <laughs> Slaps me on my chest. So that is that's the type of vibe you get in some interactions with people. He's interested in your welfare. He didn't want you to get waterlogged while you were out on the river. I, I assured him that Grant made me put on sunscreen, so. Well, what, what about the community here makes it a place where you would want to forge a better future for the state via service? I know you've already mentioned some qualities, but is there anything else to add to that? Yeah, well, I, you know, I love, I love the observations that, that all of you made about Wyoming. My kind of summary on what I think of as the most special thing about Wyoming is how utterly unique it is. And that's something that I sort of feel naturally anyway, and maybe with a little bit of undue pride as someone who grew up here, that I feel like you don't quite get Wyoming until you've experienced Wyoming. But that does get reinforced as I interview folks from all across the country. The things that they analogize to and and they think oh no I kind of get it because of x y or z and, and and it's wonderful to hear from them but they're usually wrong about that it is usually not like whatever they think it's like and and I love that about Wyoming I love that you have to experience it and I think for the most part it comes from the fact that we are geographically a huge state and in terms of population a minuscule state I think that's really what makes the difference. There is so much space. Our towns are all small or tiny and they're few and far between. So it's not as if you leave one town of 50,000 people and then you are in another town of 50,000 people. So I really like that about it. I like how, how, how unusual Wyoming culture and experience is. And I like that for my children. And 
and then specifically what I like about raising a family here and why I think it's why I think Wyoming is a wonderful a wonderful place for all its flaws places have flaws and Wyoming has lots of them there's no doubt about it but for all its flaws the reason that I I love Wyoming love living here and raising a family here is that people really do have a, a deep commitment to that live and let live attitude and you know as you guys have touched on recent years have been tough for everybody for a variety of reasons but at, at heart Wyomingites don't want to make things worse for one another and want to when they can make things better for one another. So, so that's definitely something that I love about Wyoming culture. And you hinted at it there with meeting with those candidates to discuss Wyoming culture and their perceptions of it versus reality. Grant, you've been very involved in that process and collaborating with Leora. What's it like to be the de facto representative of our Vista cohort that these people are speaking with and to try to provide that insight into what our lives and services like here? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I love being involved in the interview process. It's getting to hear from the interested candidates about the experiences that they've had that have motivated them to want to do national service and hearing about the things that they are passionate about and how that relates to the positions that they're trying to that they're applying to. I mean, it really reminds me of why I wanted to start doing national service in the first place. And it's 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 also easy to have these conversations and, and talk about our VISTA cohort because I have great things to say about what we've been able to build out here. And it makes talking to the candidates very easy. Equal Justice Wyoming is, is and I, I, t- I try to tell the candidates this, it's an exceptionally good placement, in my opinion, because of the effort made by folks like Leora and the VISTA leaders we bring in to connect people and get them excited about experiencing AmeriCorps and experiencing Wyoming together. The best part of National Service and Peace Corps and AmeriCorps, I mean, has been the volunteers I've gotten to know and work with. And I, I try to sell that to the people that are applying. It's, it's nice to be around people that want to do good for others and for the community. And I like getting to relay that to prospective applicants and just assuring them that this is what this is what we're doing out here. This is what how we think about these issues. And if, if that's what motivates you and that's what you're passionate about, then you would fit in. I like that. And Leora, our, our EGW's cohorts overarching focus is on bridging that justice gap. I was wondering if you could give our audience a quick overview of the strengths that each site is bringing to the table and kind of like the individual qualities that you're hoping to see in the VISTA who's going to be uh, joining us. Yeah, you know, I wrestled with this one in, in seeing your, your notes for what we'd be talking about. I wrestled with this one because we do have several subsites and I could go on endlessly about what's so wonderful about each one. And I'm going to try not to do that. That's why we see the tough questions for you. I know. I know. And I, I don't think I managed to work in there in my about myself that I majored in English as an undergrad. And so believe me, I can say a lot of words, but I'm going to try not to, not to speak endlessly. But one thing that's fantastic about all the organizations that are in our program is that they recognize partly that unique culture in Wyoming and the need to be able to truly understand what our communities need. Nobody is bringing in cookie cutter policies and programs and nobody is 
saying, oh, this is what's done in some other state or at a national level. So it will certainly work here. So I love that there is a lot of thought put into doing research, which is something that we see, for example, with the Department of Health Aging Division. They absolutely focus a great deal on research. Um, you'll be talking with Dana next week. She has done tons of research on her programs focused on public health. So they, they put in the time on research to really understand what the community needs are. And all of our programs focus on outreach and making sure that we are letting communities know what services we have available and also trying to understand from them, what do you need? What, what services do you need that we don't offer? What services are you having difficulty accessing? What are those barriers to access? So all of our organizations really are excellent at, at not taking some narrow path to, to reaching communities and providing service. They're all looking consistently again and again at how can we better our program in order to help the community. So I, I love that in all of our organizations. As for the question on what, what I like to see in VISTA applicants, the biggest thing is a passion for service. If you think of VISTA as just some job, you're not going to enjoy your experience, you're not going to be happy, and you may well not fulfill your one-year commitment. And we, we don't want any of those three things to happen. We want people to love the experience, we want them to enjoy their work, and we want them to serve their full year. So we, we specifically look for folks who want to be doing service and who recognize the value of service. So that's huge. And then all kinds of other things. A thirst for knowledge makes a big difference. People who want to have those new experiences of, oh, I want to go someplace different. I want to work in a field I've not worked in before. And, and who are recognizing there's so much for me to learn, as there is for all of us, and are really excited about having those opportunities to learn. That's huge. And kind of overarching in all of that is, is having a sense of adventure, wanting to go have these new experiences. You know, as, as we've talked about a lot, so many of our VISTAs are relocating from myriad other states. In other VISTA programs, they work a lot more with applicants who are local. But I think that that willingness to have an adventure and your year of service as an adventure is still really important. It's not going to be like anything else you've done for the most part. And I think even Grant has had some of that experiences. There's a lot of similarities to Peace Corps, and then there are a lot of ways in which it's different from Peace Corps. So even from other types of service, it, it's very different serving as a VISTA. It's certainly not going to be like somebody's summer job that they had during college or, or a job that they stepped into right after college, those things where you might say, oh, it's kind of like that same thing. It's not it's going to be different from that. And hopefully people will, will be up for that adventure. Certainly. And perhaps, Grant, as a current VISTA yourself, perhaps you could elucidate on the experience from a, from a firsthand perspective. What would you tell a future VISTA joining the cohort and taking over your role and responsibility about being a VISTA leader? Mm -hmm. That's, that was a really good question I saw in my notes too. And I had to think about this one a lot. And I think, I think it boils down to being, being passionate about wanting to support others, especially as they're in their national service role, keeping your expectations broad about what your position is going to, what kind of, what your position is going to allow you, allow you to do. My position, the VISA leader position has 
does have clear cut responsibilities, but a lot of it is being flexible and adapting to the cohort's needs. And for that, you cannot come expecting your service to go a certain way. So you need to have that attitude of, I can be flexible doing this. I can adapt to the situation as it, as, as it unfolds. You have to mesh with a lot of different personalities. And it's important to just keep your expectations broad coming into that. And I think that that really applies to all of national service because it can't be hard to, it would be good to come in expecting a certain thing necessarily. You want to just, you want to be open to the experience of national service and what that entails and what you'll, and, and learn what you can along the way. And I would also tell them that while the leader part is in the name of the position, I see the responsibility far more as being a supportive friend and ally to the VISTAs that are serving. That goes back to what I mentioned earlier about having excellent volunteer leaders when I was in Ecuador. I knew I could rely on them for certain things due to the duties they had, but far more important for me was the fact that they treated me as an equal, as an equal and as a friend. And I think that means more for people that are coming into a completely new environment, like moving out to Wyoming. And I, I really try to replicate that in my service as VISTA leader and would encourage someone taking my role to, to view it that way as well. I have to say, Grant, speaking as a person who you're leading, I, I have really appreciated your approach and your friendship. Lastly, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of the VISTA service? Um, the most rewarding part is definitely supporting you all and, and, and helping you adjust to your communities and connecting you all with each other and, and so on. Because the more I do that, the more that you'll be in a better position to support your organizations and your communities. The VISTA leader role, it's, it's, VISTA service can be some, it can feel somewhat removed at times from direct service, but that's the point. You're not doing direct service, you're capacity building. You're doing things that that aren't really going to make an impact right before your eyes, but in the long run, they will, and your organizations need the work that you're doing. My role is, is even a step removed from that because I support you all as you support your organization. So getting to learn and hear about the projects that the VISTAs are doing, such as this podcast, make this job awesome. It's just, it's nice to be around people that, that, that want to spread a good message, that want to do good work and are passionate about serving their communities. Um, and that that's that's the best part of my job. And this cohort is really passionate about service. And if I have done even the slightest to make them feel more comfortable out here or more confident in their goals, then I feel good about what I'm doing. And if I can help additionally prepare them for other aspects of life after VISTA or get the cohort to talk about their future plans with each other, then I also feel rewarded in my job. So it, it, it's it's a cool position. It's a very unique position, and um, I feel very fortunate to have it. I, like you, want to give my quick compliments to the chef. That is Grant. Um, <laughs> he puts the right ingredients together along with Leora. And one virtue that you both have stressed throughout this year that's been vital is just patience and just steady application and showing up to your site each day and trusting that things will work out. That if you take the task that is um, handed down to you from your supervisor, do it to the best of your ability, then you know eventually your own organic ideas are going to start to facilitate. And you're going to see those take form. And just that, that message of patience has been so important throughout the year. And I really thank you both for that. Appreciate that, Ken. Yeah, 
Thank you. And that, that's the, uh, I had a conversation with another member of the cohort earlier this morning who was saying, as, as I'm hearing from all of you now that you are approaching your final months, everyone goes, oh my goodness, how did we get to the end already? How did it go so fast? And here I'm almost finished. I, I thought it was going to take forever. So, so I've been hearing a lot of that, which, which I love because I love how connected you all feel to the community and to the work that you're doing. And that was something that, that we had in this conversation earlier today was this idea that initially it's, it's overwhelming and also frustrating. And that's something that's very common for VISTAs in their first couple of months is they go, well, I, I don't get what I'm supposed to be doing and how it's supposed to be helping. And then as time goes by and you exercise that patience, just as you're saying, Ken, all of a sudden you are so deeply ingrained in your organization, in the mission, in the community, that it, that it all just comes together. Like, here's, here's what we need to be doing. Here's how I can make it happen. These are the people I need to connect with. And, and it comes together. And then we do end up with these fantastic projects as your podcast is. We've all been loving the awareness campaign that Bree was running through the coalition. I mean, it's been amazing to see how much success all of you have because you've just kept working at it, learning, developing. It's awesome. Absolutely. Just just want to say thank you first for all your guys' service and everything you're doing for your community. It's a wonderful thing. And, and I've really enjoyed working, especially with Ken and Hugh, more closely in the last couple months on this podcast and with some other events that are going to be coming up. So thank you guys. And thank you to Leora and Grant for being on the podcast today. Uh, we wrap up our Vista Voices series next week with Dana Thompson, who serves in a harm reduction capacity at CRMC. We urge you, if you're looking for a service opportunity through America Vista, come out to Cheyenne or one of our many cities and communities in Wyoming and make the magic happen. Thanks for listening.